podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And welcome back to the Rock Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Today we are doing something special, something we've never done here on the podcast before. I'm actually having the same guest come on to do a preview for two different games because Kansas has a double header against the Baylor Bears. The women play first in the afternoon. The men play in the evening. Um, both of them down in Waco. So in, I guess, celebration of that, I guess it's a celebration of that, we have coming back to the podcast, he was just here a couple weeks ago, Matt Wilson. Uh, you know, he is, let's see, the head guy over at Our Daily Bears, and he has a podcast here on the 1012 Network uh, with Evan Bear, the Between Two Bears podcast, which I still maintain is the most irreverent podcast that I just absolutely absolutely love so matt how how you doing today we're making history yeah, first exactly. first guest on here to do two games that's fantastic exactly. no i'm excited it is a it is a celebration right i think not not just of these games but of how both the men's and women's conference seasons are ending right because there's still some drama on the men's side and there's a lot of drama on the women's side yeah for sure. Um, so I'm I'm really excited to dig into both. Well, and to be honest, if you had told me this time last year that we would get towards the end of the season and both Kansas Baylor games that would happen on the same day, they both would be super influential in the conference race. I don't know that I would have believed you. Like I would have asked what kind of crack you were smoking and can I have some because it sounds absolutely fantastic. So um, yeah, I mean this is this is absolutely great for Kansas fans. Um, yes, Kansas lost big against Iowa State, <laughs> though on the women's side on Wednesday. But uh, you know what? Those things are going to happen as you're trying to make your way to the top of the conference. So I'm I'm not super upset. It was a little disappointing, but you kind of roll with the punches there. But they get a I chance. Think that's the one thing we're trying to say here is if if a team loses a game against another good team by a large margin, it's totally fine, and the rest of the season can go in a totally different direction. I'm not hinting at anything. No, no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> but no, you know, it, it is also kind of one of those things, though, as we got towards the end of the season. Yes, it's a it was it was a five team race in the conference. Um, but going into these last two weeks, it really on the women's side, you know, really kind of solidified into Iowa State versus Baylor for the conference title with Kansas as a potential spoiler and could sneak in if they were able to kind of play, uh, you know, play above their heads a little bit just because I think you look up and down the roster at both what these this Baylor team and this Iowa State team have and you know they are both more talented than the Kansas Jayhawks but the Jayhawks have something that's allowed them to kind of gel at a higher level and and perform at a higher level than you would look at on paper and 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 expect so the game coming up you know Kansas almost upset Baylor in in Lawrence earlier this season right coming off of a really hot you know upset over Texas down in Austin so you know, I don't want to say that they don't have a shot in this game against Baylor, but it, you know, it seems like this Baylor team is clicking at the right time. What is, you know, I I think anybody that pays attention to the women's game knows about Nalitha Smith. Who else on this Baylor squad do, do fans need to be aware of? Because I'm I'm going to be honest. It seems like since the, the change in head coach from Kim Mulkey, um, you know, I, I don't know that I know a lot of the players like I, I used to when she was here. And that's because I think a lot of people left, and Nelissa Smith is like the player to know on Baylor. Well, the the roster, right? It, you you aren't able to get rid of the Kim Mulkey DNA of how this roster is built completely, right? So the other name that you 
especially now, have to know is Queen Egbo, right? The other extremely um, physical post presence for this Baylor team, Take, you know, about a quarter of the time she's on the court, the play is running through her. Um, she is uh, extremely efficient inside. And she's a fantastic rebounder. Uh, she's, you know, better on the offensive glass than Nelissa Smith. And, you know, she's just about as good on the defensive glass. So definitely need to keep her in mind. Uh, Sarah Andrews is the other name. Uh, so the opposite of Queen Egbo, right? She is the perimeter staple for this team. And uh, she shoots it extremely well. Uh, about, I don't know, half, half of her points come from the three-point line roughly. So um, I... Keep those three in mind. Jordan Lewis also needs to be um, in the back of your mind to a degree. Then everybody on the Baylor side, the fan favorite is Caitlin Bickle, the the glue player, right? Glue girl. I don't know how to say that, but just the yeah. the 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 heart of this team, right? Maybe not the most talented or skilled, but she plays her butt off every single game. She's constantly falling over. It's one of our running gags over at Between Two Bears. She plays so hard, she's just falling over just all <laughs> of the time. And it's so great to see because you know it comes from a place of just wanting to play as hard as she possibly can. Um, but yeah, you go Melissa Smith, Queen Egbo, Sarah Andrews um, with a dash of Jordan Lewis in there. Um, and, and that's really who you need to pay attention to. Now, I, I do wonder because, yes, Baylor seems to be playing a lot better um, than that that stretch that they had in the middle of the season. But um, Oklahoma State, you know, took them down to the wire in this last game, which I was a little surprised by. Um, you know, like what happened in that game? Was it kind of just like maybe potentially looking ahead a little bit getting towards the end of the season? Or did Oklahoma State actually do something in that game that gave Baylor tr- trouble? I don't know. I think I, I think we're in this part of the season where – anything can happen, right? These are all quality teams, right? They're all in the big 12. It, it ended up being what, like a seven point win, right? Which isn't as close as you would have expected, but you get a strong performance out of Melissa Smith. And I don't know, like sometimes shots fall and shots don't fall. I, I don't take too much away from that. It's, it's a big dub on the road. And that, that's sometimes you have to be extremely happy with that. Yeah, I mean, this is a conference where even the, you know, the worst teams in the conference can jump up and bite you. You know, Texas Tech did that to Oklahoma recently. Um, and, of course, I completely understand the whole sometimes shots fall because it seemed like Iowa State was unable to miss a three-pointer um, at all, no matter what happened in that game against Kansas. So, um, yep. you know, they were never able to recover from that. In, in terms of the way that Baylor likes to play, though, because, it, I mean, I don't want to like look at what happened in the last game and say that that's the way that they typically like to play because it seemed like Kansas was able to find a lot of ways to disrupt what they were doing and they definitely seem to be off. So the way that they're playing right now, though, what's what's the style that they typically try to use? Wh- who who are like the main weapons that they will utilize quite often? Are they normally going inside? Are they normally trying to play outside? Or is it really kind of a mix of both? It's a lot more balanced than it used to be under Mulkey, right? And it's something that I'm still trying to get acclimated to. I I need to spend some more time rewatching games, which honestly I just don't have a lot of time to do anymore. I wish understandable. I <laughs> but this team ten and from from this is all anecdotal. Keep in mind, this team seems to play a lot more free, a lot more, uh, a lot quicker. I would say than than the Mulkey teams. This team also is a lot more balanced, right? We. The, this Baylor team doesn't have to pound it into the post every single possession, right? 
you can get Nalissa Smith on each elbow. You can get Nalissa Smith on a wing and have her attack that way. You can also just go a traditional post up. Um, there's just a lot more within this offense that is available, right? Because I think because of the coaching staff. But yeah, I I I think that depending on the opponent, right? You're you're going to go play differently against a Kansas State versus a Kansas just because of the post presence and right. And so I I'll be completely honest. I don't know what to expect for this particular game, right? Because it didn't go completely well from the Baylor perspective against Kansas last time, right? You want you want to have a little bit stronger of a showing, especially at home. But uh, we'll see. I'm I'm very interested to find out. Yeah, it's actually kind of funny because you just preempted the next question I was going to ask like which matchups are you worried about like what what are you expecting to see in this game though I mean like is this is this one based off of or I should say are you looking more towards the recent trends of how they've been playing the last few games or are there things from the last game against Kansas that you're worried are going to potentially repeat themselves I'm I'm not necessarily worried about the 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 middle portion of that season anymore right from late december to middle of january i think baylor lost what three of five i think there was a cancellation in there right um somewhere uh, or, or postponement um but, but that was due to COVID issues right like a lot of players were sick a lot of coaches were sick and not feeling great and i think that is a reasonable thing to attribute to to maybe all of those losses in the last part of 2021 early 2022 since then, right, since mid-January, that Kansas win, actually, they have won, what, all of their games except for the Oklahoma game right. at home. And, what, that's 7, 12 out of 13? I mean, that's 12 out of 13 games. I, I'm, I'm not concerned, especially when you start to see other names creep up the leading scoreboards for for each of those games right one game it'll be queen Egbo. one game it'll be jordan lewis one game it'll be sarah andrews now you're going to see Alyssa smith on that on that top line a lot more right, right. often than not but this team has different ways to score rather than just dumping it in and hoping that if there's not a double team the player scores or if there's a double team it's a kick out and and an open shot right there's a lot more to this offense now and i think it's starting to show it was rough early on like a lot of fans were worried about how this was going to play out um especially during that three out of four games that baylor lost it's looking pretty good now yeah it definitely is so so i guess kind of final thing here on on the women's side before we jump over to the men um you know you actually talked about how many different things Baylor can do, how many different players can jump in. Like that's been Kansas MO all season, right? Um, you know, they have so many different players. They don't have a single player who is the one that you expect to be at the top. I think Holly Kirschgeter is who most people expected coming into the season, but while she leads in points, um, you know, there are a lot of other players that are really providing huge um, boosts in a bunch of other different roles, especially like Tiana Jackson down low, um, you know, and Iona Hatzelionti, kind of really kind of doing a whole bunch of different things all over the place. Um, you know, I, 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 I could go down the list with everybody, but really like, it seems to me like these are probably the two teams that have the widest array of players that could all jump up. Right. And, and, yeah, and potentially be that. the, That's a great point. be the person. So how much though, like I, I keep getting the feeling that this game really is going to come down to how, how well Tiana Jackson plays on the inside for the Jayhawks. If she can hold her presence down low, and can really bully people. Well, I guess bully is the wrong word, but really, you know, hold her own and and be a force down there and actually drive some of the action down there. 
then I think it allows Kansas to stay in the game long enough that we get to the end and Kansas has an actually, actually has an opportunity to win it. What I am worried about though, is that Baylor has enough bodies that they can kind of throw down there and bang in the post with her, get her in foul trouble. And then Kansas isn't pro- you know, going to deal with a lot of problems. I don't know if they can keep up. If the only thing that they can do is, you know, cut, cut to the basket or shoot from the perimeter because we saw against Iowa state, they went ice cold from three point land. And, and that happens to them more often than I think most people would actually like to see. You hit the nail on the head, right? I'm, I'm not really worried about the quality of play from Kansas starters. That's, that's not a, I, they're going to play well, right? but do you have somebody that can also come in and score or at least partially defend Queen Egbo when, when she's playing with Smith off the floor, right? Or some combination of those guards that come in it, you know, Jamie Asbury, the transfer from Oklahoma state plays the most minutes on the team. I didn't even mention her, right? She plays right. more minutes than anybody else on the team quality player, right? It's, it's about depth. I think in these late season matchups, Yep. Um, and, and we'll see, we'll see how that goes. Yep. I, I do think that Kansas is going to have to get off to a hot start. They, they can't go down double digits early in this one, I think, and expect to be able to come back on it. They, they did that on the road against Texas tech. They started to against Iowa state and then ran out of gas. And of course, Iowa state started hitting threes again, like crazy towards the end of that game. So if they find themselves down against Baylor, I don't think there's much chance for them to come back at that point, but you know, finishing third, fourth, or even fifth, depending on how Oklahoma and Texas kind of end the season, you know, is nothing to sneeze at for a Kansas team that was picked last in the Big 12 Conference. So, absolutely. Um, you know, I am looking forward to this game. I'm hoping that it goes Kansas's way, but obviously stealing myself for the possibility or the likelihood that they're going to have to win multiple games next week against Oklahoma and Texas to be able to finish third in the conference. Um, that still should be plenty, though, to get them into, into the NCAA tournament. And I'm just happy to see the overall quality that the Big 12 women's side actually has. You know, over on Blue Wings Rising, I talked about how this is the perfect year, right, for the Big 12 women's side to actually have this kind of renaissance because, you know, this is like the first year where there's been a lot more eyes on women's basketball because of what happened in the tournament last year, that whole controversy. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, like they had some of the best ratings they've ever had. And yes, I think part of it at least was because they were on ESPN more, like they were actually on a lot of the channels that people get to watch. But then you follow that up with, you know, women's softball having its best year in terms of the way it was broadcast and all of that. And so, like, women's sports are getting a lot more exposure than they have in the past. And so it's absolutely fantastic that the Big 12 is taking advantage of that, especially with teams that are going to still be in the conference. So as these new teams are coming in and the memberships in flux, it's fantastic to kind of see that it's not just Oklahoma and Texas, right, that are that are going to be right. driving the conference forward. There are There are other programs throughout all of the sports, that we have here in the big 12 that are really going to be pushing it still when we bring all of these new programs in. And, and going back to the, just, just basketball, all of those things you said are true. All of the outside influences, absolutely correct. Right. But also the basketball has just been really good. Like in my opinion, much better than it has been the last three or four years. I oh, yeah, much more enjoyable to watch. Yep. Most definitely. All right. I do. You know, speaking of enjoyable, it's absolutely enjoyable when, you receive in the mail something from, sponsored here on the podcast, Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel is the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. They have t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers, a whole bunch of stuff. More than 100 different schools available. They add new ones all the time. I remember the first time I got Homefield Apparel in the mail, it was absolutely fantastic to open it up and see all of the vintage logos that are there in person, not just the ones that are on the website. They have fantastic stuff on the website. I wish I could go order a whole bunch more. Um, but you know what? 
uh, actually, by the time you're hearing this, unfortunately, the family and friends deal that was going on, that little flash sale, is going to be done. But you can still get 15% off your entire first order if you use promo code CHALK12 um, when you're over there at Home Field Apparel. All, all orders you have that are over $100 get free shipping. But, uh, you know, we are still hoping with Big New Saturday to be able to get Kansas Apparel, since they are doing a whole bunch of basketball schools. I'm hoping we'll have some good news here coming up because there's two weeks left. So hopefully Kansas is one of those. But if you want to hold out for that, I completely understand. But if not, if you just go over there and you find stuff you absolutely have to have right now because there are so many fantastic things, use promo code CHOCK12, get 15% off that entire first order. And again, all orders over $100 get free shipping. All right, Matt, I do want to go ahead and switch over to the men. But before we do that, I want to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Hey there, 1012 Network listeners. This is Dustin from the Scott and Holman Podcast, the original Houston Cougar athletics podcast, and the latest member of the 1012 Network. Uh, my co-host, Sam, do you want to tell the fine folks what the Scott and Holman Podcast is all about? I sure do. We come on here at least once a week, and we talk all things going on in the world of Houston Cougar sports. Plus, we usually find time for some of what's going on in our future conference, our current conference, and really the college sports world at large. We're not just a football, men's basketball podcast. We really pride ourselves here on the fact that every single team that wears the Scarlet and Albino in Houston in their jerseys gets time on our show. Plus, from time to time, we bring on some guests ranging from opposing team experts to even former Olympic great Carl Lewis. So be sure to search the Scott and Holman podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, we spell podcast P-A-W-D cast because we are oh so funny like that. And we're back here with Matt Wilson, uh, head guy over at our Daily Bears, obviously between two bears here on the 1012 podcast network. Um, We just got done talking about the women. Now it's time to talk about the men, because let me tell you, this is quite a big 12 men's race as well. Top two teams in the conference right now. Well, I guess top two of the three because uh, you got the Texas you. Tech in there because Texas Tech is tied as well, aren't they? At this point, I have to. Texas Tech and Baylor are tied for, for second. second. Yes, right. That's please, what I thought. Please get it correct. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't want Albie jumping into my mentions telling me that I Thank disrespected you. them because he would no mention you too. Here. I know you didn't mean it that way. <laughs> no, 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 no. But you know, I think coming into the year. Like these were the two teams that everybody expected to be at the top of the conference at the end of the year, right? Yeah. And 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 while I think people expected teams like Texas or Texas Tech, depending on how well Mark Adams was able to kind of keep things going, would be up towards the top. I think we all knew that these two teams would be here, right? And so yes, it's a great surprise for Texas Tech fans, or or I guess vindication for Texas Tech fans that what they're doing is still working and that they're still up there and still have an opportunity. Um, but I mean, how much does this game feel to you? Like it is a, like this decides whether Kansas gets a share of the Big 12 title or wins it outright. When you put it that way, I mean, it's everything, right? That, that you're exactly right. This game also is how, how adjustable is this Baylor team, right? Where is there the next tier that we saw in that 2021 team? Surprise, it's, if there is that tier, it's not going to be as big, but um it, it it means a lot for that regular season championship. Uh, it means everything, and for from a Baylor perspective. So yeah, I mean, it, it all boils down to this. Everybody who's a Baylor fan, and I would say a lot of people, at least I would hope, a lot of people who are Kansas fans, understood that the game in Lawrence against Baylor and the game in Waco against Baylor, some maybe two of the four biggest games of the season and defines a lot about who's holding a trophy at the end of it. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, like it, it was basically, you know, Kansas at whoever number three was and Baylor at whoever number three was. And then these two games, like those are going to yep. go the longest because I think again, everybody expected Kansas and Baylor to be one, two with another, with one other team kind of in the mix. And that's what's happened. Um, but obviously like this year, more than, than any other year, like all of the games against the the teams further down in the conference have super added importance because we've seen huge upsets all over the place. We've seen teams right. jump up and bite people that you probably weren't necessarily expecting. Honestly, Baylor is probably the team that surprised me the most in that, in that they've lost as many road games as they have, um, you know, against teams that we didn't expect them to. And I think that's just a testament to even how much harder than normal it is for you to win on the road. It has been a frustrating season for a number of reasons. One, uh, because honestly, Baylor fans are just not used to losing more than two games in a regular season. As as pompous as that sounds, it's true. So, well, it's Kansas fans are the same to, way. So, I mean, it's an adjustment back to reality, right? Really, yeah. ec- like excellent elite teams will lose more than a couple of games during a regular season, and it's okay, right? Yeah. Um, I think the other frustrating part is it has been the injuries. Right. It, it it seems like ever since, man, I would say te- the Texas, the first loss, the Texas Tech loss, where you started rotating guys in and out just because of injury. Right. One game, you don't have LJ Cryer. One game, you don't have Adam Flagler. One game, you don't have both. And now the rest of the games this season, you don't have Jonathan Jamachachua. Right. So I think that has been the frustrating part because we saw. And I will remember it until the day I die, that Villanova game when they came to Waco and Baylor held them to 36 points, right? This team had, when fully healthy, a level that was, I will say, um, reminiscent of, not comparable necessarily, but reminiscent of that 2021 um, offense and defense, right? And and so to watch it kind of crumble due to health, really frustrating. And honestly, like as a sense of real sadness for Jonathan Chamachachua, but also just watching the guys become frustrated and really have to struggle against uh, not even the other team, but their own bodies. That that sucks. I hate watching that for any team. Yeah, uh, it's one yeah. of those things. Like that's the one thing that I'll always say. I never want to win a game because another team has a oh, major it injury. I hate like, it. it. Feels cheap. Yeah, it it almost feels like everybody got cheated. Yeah, like, I I still want to beat them, and I'll definitely take the win. Like if that's how it has to come. But if I'm rooting for it, like I would much rather beat a team that's at full strength, and you know overcome that and be able to feel really good about the fact that hey, we just beat you. Or you know, honestly, even if you take a close loss because they just outperformed you that day. Um, yeah. You know, if it's if it's a pick between a close loss with them at full strength, unless it's one I absolutely had to have to get to the postseason or something like that, like I would much rather take that close loss and loss and feel good about what happened, you know, other than rather than take a, you know, a quote unquote cheap win because they lost an important player super early or right before the game or something like that. Um, yeah, I'd need a couple more Dr. Peppers to really get into the the nitty gritty of that argument. Cause I'm not sure I'm Fair. all the way there yet. Because uh, you I know really what? Like I'm also <laughs> one of those really weird people where I don't know. I almost usually, unless we're like in the middle of a game and I'm yelling at a ref because I think they made a horrible call, which there's been way too many of those this year. So I'm not mm. even going to light that fire mm. at this point. Um, you know, like unless we're there, like I can usually take that step back and say, Hey, for the good of and and having done more stuff over at the ten twelve podcast, um, 
You know, I, I definitely have taken more of a overall conference type of view. I definitely still want Kansas to win. I wouldn't mind if Kansas, you know, completely stomped everybody. Yeah, that, that'd be great. But, you know, looking at it from a conference point of view, like it's good to have those types of games. It's good for yeah. teams other than Kansas to win the conference. It's good for Kansas to take, you know, tough losses here occasionally to make the rest of the conference look good and to really kind of help boost up how everybody thinks of the Jayhawks when they win the conference, because the rest of the conference is actually really good too. So I, I firmly believe that teams like Gonzaga, right in that mold where it's obviously a very talented, very good team, not trying to take anything away from them, but there's a level of preparation that happens when you play in a conference like the big 12, or I will dare I say it, the big 10 against <laughs> other really good competition, right. That prepares you mentally for the grind that is March Madness. Yes, for sure. So, all right. But so, so, so back to this particular game, obviously you already kind of mentioned that, that uh, Chama Chachua is not available. I saw that knee injury and it was bad. I was cringing. Um, when I watched it, I felt really bad for a bunch of Baylor fans. Um, you know, it probably didn't, didn't hurt who they were playing at the time. So I was, you know, really, really, really hoping that they were able to go ahead and keep going with that. So, um, wait, because that did happen during the Texas game, right? Like, I'm not imagining that. You are or, correct. Yeah, okay. that did happen versus Texas. Okay, and, I thought uh, so. I was like, was wait a minute, I'm not making win. up details, am I? <laughs> no, you you weren't. It was it was a it was a thorough uh, handling of the Longhorns. Yeah, yes, for sure. But uh, so, I mean, what about this this Baylor team then? Because Chama Chachua was was a big presence for them down low, but he was hardly the only guy down low. And I think what we talked about you know, getting ready for the last one is that Baylor has a bunch of guys down low that they could potentially throw at a team like Kansas. Um, and that was one of our big questions going into that game was, you know, is Kansas going to be able to handle that? And of course they did with flying colors because of the struggles that Baylor had in that particular game. But I, there's no way that I expect it to be exactly the same next time. So I'm going to make a slight adjustment to your, your comment there. Baylor has a bunch of guys that will occasionally find themselves down low. Does that make sense? Uh, okay. The only true post player left on this team is, is Flo Thombo, uh, who gets minutes. Um, and look, the kid plays very hard. Fran Frasilla was like ripping him during the Oklahoma State game about how he wasn't playing hard. And then it was very odd. Fran has gotten a little cranky lately. Um, lately? But he, yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> he, he, but Flo Thombo plays very hard. But, you know, doesn't always have the best hands, doesn't finish around the rim as well as you'd really like him to. Um, but he is a big body and and can protect the rim to a degree. I would almost say Flo Thamba, he, he's the guy that tries so hard that he sometimes becomes less coordinated. Nailed it. Because he's Nailed trying it. too much. Yeah. Nailed it. He will want to dunk the ball so badly that he will bring the ball below his waist in order to gather and jump back up and dunk. <laughs> and if I swear I am Andy, I am five, seven, right. But I have a fascination with big men footwork and fundamentals and mechanics. For some reason, it's one of my favorite parts of basketball. If I see another post player break, saw it happen uh, in the Memphis game this evening, but uh, bring the ball below your waist, just begging for a guard to strip it out drives me absolutely nuts and that's my that's my sidebar rant of the day no yeah, I, I i agree you know i coached i coached uh like young kids i actually coached my kids basketball and that was the thing that drove me the craziest with the post players that we had is that all of them thought 
that the best way to try to get up to go, you know, hit a quick bunny down low. Bend down is, as So, like, far basically as bring the ball down to the floor <laughs> to get as much explosion up as you possibly can. And it's just like, no, yeah. no, we, we don't do that. Like, Not how it works. If the, head, if it the works. ball comes down below your head, then you're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah, so. exactly. All right. So, I mean, I definitely think based off the way you're saying that, that Kansas is going to have a an advantage down low, especially if we get good David McCormick. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't think there's a question about that. So so how does Baylor counter that then at that point? Because while while David McCormick doesn't hasn't been lighting up the scoreboard, potentially, he's been doing a lot of other things. You know, he is the I would I would argue probably the best over or I'm sorry, the second best overall rebounder in the country this year behind Oscar Sheway. Um, you know, you look yeah, at his I, offensive I rebounding fair. rate. It's number two again. Right. Or actually, I think it's number one now just barely above Sheway, but they've been kind of trading that back and forth all year. And he's like top 15 in, in defensive rebounding rate, whereas Sheway is number one with a bullet. Um, yeah. So like, you know, he is, he has been doing phenomenal there, but there are definitely have been times where his, his scoring hasn't kept up. So a lot of people kind of sleep on what everything else that he does, but um, like, what does, what does Baylor need out of their post players then to kind of counteract that? Baylor doesn't need anything more out of their post players than by post player. I mean, Flo Thamba um, other than finishing the bunnies, right? Just, just finish the easy ones, knock down 60% of your free throws. Don't turn the ball over when you, you know, when you're not doing anything that's worthy of a turnover, right? Uh, Dumb turnovers. Uh, But what needs to happen is we need, uh, good James Akinjo, meaning not over dribbling James Akinjo. Otherwise, he's a fantastic, phenomenal player, right? Tends to over dribble at times. Okay, that's not going to work against Kansas. Two, I, I don't know if Scott Drew, like, put those shock collars that you put on a dog on Jeremy Sohan and Kendall Brown um, just to, like, make sure that, you know, they, they stay in line. I think it's time to take those off. I think it's time to take those off for this game. Let them go nuts. I want to see Kendall Brown shoot three or four times from three. I want to see Jeremy Sohan get a charging call, right? Because he's being too aggressive going to the rim. Like, I just, I need to see exponential aggression from those two because they are the two most physically talented players on the team. And I want to see them take advantage of that. I have no question that Adam Flagler will come to play. I have no question that James Akinjo will play hard, right? Um, right? And then finally, I want to see Matt Meyer get back to like sophomore year, Matt Meyer, just fire it up, man. Just do it. You're, you're here. You're here to score, be aggressive. Right. Um, not, not too aggressive on defense. Right. Like keep, keep, that's, a, that's Matt Meyer's problem, but it's all about the freshman for me. He, he needs to not be too aggressive to lose part of his tooth again. So, um, twice. yeah, it's, it's, it's happened. What Boy, twice or three times? It's happened season? twice. It has <laughs> happened twice. Yeah. So, so, um, LJ Cryer was a guy that was missing in the last game is he back for this one? Like, are, are they expecting him to be back or is he still having some, some issues? I, I am, I am, I don't know if you listen to split zone duo, but they use the uh, think, feel, no words right. about reporting and stuff. And I don't know anything. This is pure speculation. Something tells me with how quiet the staff has been about that foot injury leads me to believe it is rather serious. And Fair. it would not surprise me if they hold him out the rest of the regular season. Again, complete speculation. Right, right. right. But, you know, if he was available for Kansas, 
I'm I'm praying that means he is 100% healthy. But with feet, man, it is so Oh yeah. It's such a slippery oh, it's, slope. It's if you tough. re-injure it a little bit, you're right back where you started, right? Anything, so I would... anything below the waist, honestly. Like, like Kansas fans are dealing with this with with Remy Martin, with him being out for yep. as long as he has been. Yep. Um, you know, it's really easy to retweak a knee. So I actually had said, you know, when the when the the news of his initial injury first came out, it's like, hey, if you need to hold him out until you know two weeks before Absolutely. the tournament, then you do it and make sure he's fully healthy, and then you have him healthy for the tournament. And of course, they tried to come, you know, have him come back and play, and he re-injured it, and now hopefully he'll be back. There's actually talk he may be back for this game. I would be curious to see how much he actually gets worked into the lineup at this point because of all the other players that have taken off. Um, speaking of players that have taken off, Jalen Wilson has probably had the biggest turnaround from a non-conference to a conference play, even more so, I think, than David McCormick last year. And everybody was talking about how you know David McCormick came on during conference play. You know, we actually had one, one of our guys over at Blue Wings Rising took a look at it. I honestly think the turnaround for Jalen Wilson in conference play this year rivals what we saw last year from McCormick. So how do you game plan for a guy like that? A guy that, you know, his his three-point shooting is definitely getting a lot better. I think he's up to about 38% in conference play. Um, you know, he, he seems to all of a sudden be able to drive it again. That's the type of player that is difficult to deal with, especially when you already have Ochai Abaji to deal with out on the, on the perimeter. Um, what, what is the plan or what would you imagine the plan is probably going to be for Baylor to try to stop that? And who is best equipped to be able to, to, to stop what Kansas is doing on offense? A very good question, right? I, I, um, the first thing that popped into my mind is when a competent defensive team goes and plays West Virginia, right? You have Taz Sherman and you have McNeil, right? And if you can lock those two up, you're golden. You're good. And, and there are a decent number of teams in the country that have two competent one-on-one defenders that can follow McNeil around all those screens and that can right. stay in front of Sherman and limit the damage he does, right? Yep. How many teams have three elite defenders, right? Not, not right. too many. So at that point, you start leaning on, okay, team communication, team familiarity with each other, um, understanding what your goals are in terms of defending each player with Ochai Abaji, Look, I, I don't even know anymore. Like it, the, the man is amazing. He's, he's outstanding. Um, Christian Braun worries me a ton too. For some reason, the offensive boards were, he was just living on them in the last game in Lawrence against Baylor. And so I, I would probably put my two best defenders on on Braun, uh, I'm sorry, Brown? Brown, Brown, Brown. yep, yep. Yeah, I, I messed that it's, up. It's so time. weird, <laughs> but yes. Um, I dig it, though. Uh, I I personally, I'm I'm putting Flagler on Abaji to begin with. I'm putting one of my freshmen on Braun, uh, Brown, geez. <laughs> and um, I'm, I'm trying to corral Jalen Wilson and just keep him uninvolved, as uninvolved as possible. Right. And right. I don't know how how possible that is at this point, but because he really has come along. Yeah, I, I think, guess my answer I, is I don't know. Well, yeah, I was to <laughs> say, I think teams that have been the most successful about stopping Wilson um, have really been teams that have been able to to plug not not plug someone in a driving lane to kind of close it. But to I guess the best way to describe it is disrupt the driving lanes by just never letting them form properly. Right. So like, yeah, you don't you don't want to try to have someone to stop the drive from from it's not happening. 
No, you it's want very someone hard to stop six eight two twenty. Right, you want you want someone to be able to push him out just a little bit from the way he would like to drive it, so that it's not as clean of a look. Because right. you know that's definitely one of those things that you can do to affect his game. Now he's been good enough recently that it honestly hasn't mattered that much. Um, the other thing that teams are finding harder and harder, like there was only two teams that really were able to effectively shut down Ochaibaji, right? Um, there was the one against or the the uh, oh gosh, I completely forgot who I, I wanted to say it was Texas Tech, but then I second guessed it. But you know, Texas was one of them um, mm-hmm. for sure. Kentucky. Then, well, yeah, that 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 I don't even count as shutting down Abaji because actually Abaji got a decent look in that, but. Everybody was. I just, kind I just of wanted to mention it, point. also because he had. I think he's almost scored thirty in that game, and I have a love affair with Kentucky right now for no reason. Yeah, so well, all, yeah. I, well, you know what? That that Kentucky game gave us the Baylor game the next week. So um, that's true. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll go there. <laughs> but no, it's you know, it's, it's one of those things. The 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 two teams that made a conscious effort to make sure that Abaji did not get a bunch of points had to do it in such a way that it opened up so many opportunities. And, and Abaji is really good about that, that if he's not getting his points, which doesn't happen very often, he's making sure other people are getting theirs. That's the one thing that Brown does really well, too. Like, the beginning of the year, Brown was doing everything. He was shooting up draft boards. Right. He was, you know, he was scoring. He was getting rebounds. He was getting those assists. He was, you know, bringing it on defense. The only thing that really dropped off this year was the scoring. Like, he still is getting rebounds like crazy. He's still dealing with, you know, helping with the assists, helping with the spacing, playing really good defense. It's the reason that if you look over at the Ken Palm, you know, Big 12 Player of the Year rankings, Brown is at three. You know, Abaji is at two right now. Is that right? Yes, I did and, not know that. And, and Brockington's at one, but Abaji and Brockington have been, cha- have been trading that back and forth all conference season. But Brown has been steady the entire year, yep. even as his offense has fallen off in, in terms of points because he does all those other things. And so really, like, he is kind of that guy that brings the attitude for the Jayhawks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's hard because the more you try to shut him down, the more you actually get in his face, the matter he gets, which means the more attitude he brings, which makes it a lot harder. It's, it's funny that we doing. both went down this path of this, this train of thought because I was just about to ask, does the Kansas fan base understand that they have one of the elite glad he's on my team would hate to play against him. Oh yeah, for sure. If he was one of of the most frustrating players to watch succeed against your team, absolutely frustrating. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, you know, people talk about uh, like uh, JJ Redick from Duke or, uh, or, you know, not, not even Redick. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to think of other players though. That's that, that vein though, but maybe not to that level, but that vein, but right, right. Like, like, if he didn't play for Kansas, I think there would be a lot of Kansas fans that would kind of have similar feelings towards Brown. But you know what? He's our jerk, so we love him. Exactly. And so. every team need. this is one of my foundational theories about basketball. You need one absolute a-hole on your team if you're going to be successful at a high level. Right. It's You absolutely do. And it's funny because the only time you ever hear about them is when they're also one of the best players on the team. Like, you can have That's one true. of those absolute a-holes on your team that is a bench player or maybe the first guy off the bench that doesn't get a ton of minutes, but it's only when they also are one of the better players on your team that they rise to the level that everybody around the country hates them. Right. Exactly. Yep. All right. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're running short on time here. So I do want to ask, um, what are your overall thoughts on this game? Is this going to be a game that comes down the wire or are you concerned that this is going to be a game where, you know, one team, well, I guess either concerned or looking forward to the fact that one team is going to get out to a big win here. Ken Palm has Baylor favored by four. 
And I don't understand that necessarily. Honestly, yet. I don't either. Um, that that feels like Kansas should be favored by maybe two, maybe, maybe Kansas favored by three. I, I I don't understand that necessarily. Now, college game day is going to be in Waco. I, it is already sold out. It is going to be a, a raucous crowd. And I think that has a positive impact on this particular Baylor team. I think this particular Baylor team needs a little bit of confidence boost from that crowd. If Baylor starts off strong, it's going to be a close game. If it turns into a, oh, no, not again situation, I'm not sure the freshmen and the transfers and everybody except for Adam Flagler, essentially. I don't know. I'm not going to say I, I don't think. I don't know if they have that mental fortitude sounds so severe and <laughs> that's not really what i've been yeah, saying but just no i understand you have the what you're trying to, to handle that again yeah, right yeah, there, you have the poise to handle that yeah i mean i think this is one of those games though where yes both defenses are good and obviously baylor's defense is ranked higher than than kansas's but kansas had had this moment but these two offenses are so fantastic that and and, and especially baylor at home that I don't know that either team is going to feel comfortable unless you're up by 20 points with two minutes left. Bingo. Like, like until Completely you get to, agree. until you get to that point, both of these teams are more than capable of, of making a run. And both of these teams are more than capable of going ice cold for a five minute stretch of the game and allowing an opponent as, as explosive as the one that mm. they're facing to yeah. just go ballistic. So yeah, that'll happen. One of the things I was going to say when we were talking about the women's team is, you know, a, a 20 point lead is safe for, for a Baylor team. Right. A ten point lead is one of the more dangerous things right. that can happen to a Baylor team. It's right at that sweet spot, right? It's right at that sweet spot where you think you can cruise, but it's close enough that all it takes is two really good three shots, shots. Yeah. three shots, and like, you're down. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, or or like two really good three pointers to all of a sudden, hey, wait a minute, this is a problem again. Yep. So exactly. All right, Matt. Well, any other final thoughts about either of these two games that, that you want to leave us with before we get out of here for the day? Maybe not for the two games specifically. I think they're both going to be good games. I really do. Um, I don't know if it's going to be, you know, down to the last possession, but I expect them to both be within 10 points. Um, I'm just, I, I just, I feel like a proud Papa looking at the big 12, just so proud. Every team is good. I, I think, except for West Virginia, but um, <laughs> I, I think every, like every team is making me prouder except for West Virginia. Yeah, that's completely fair. Um, really, really sorry, Raspy Voice kids, but you know, we love you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. that's why they don't talk to us. That's okay. Uh, well, yeah, it's, uh, you know I what, though? I don't blame them either. When you're not having a good year with your basketball teams, it's really hard to get jazzed about those basketball teams and stay super engaged being a Kansas football fan. I know that all too well. <laughs> I'll have to dig into my notes. I don't really know what that's like. I'll, I'll have to hey, go Baylor back to my was, journals. Baylor was really bad. Not too long ago in football as well. So, ah, so long ago. I, I'll have to check my notes, my journals <laughs> from, from decades ago. All right, Matt. Well, for those that need reminded where, where can everybody find your work online? Uh, the best place is, or maybe the worst place, depending on how you feel, uh, is at Matt is Bear on Twitter. Again, a very, very unique life choice to, to follow me on Twitter, but it's rewarding for some. Uh, and if not, you won't last long. That's okay. Well, I, I really appreciate Matt 
Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast. Subscribe so you can get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments would be absolutely great. It really does help to get the podcast out there so more people can find us and we can do more great things for all of you guys that, that are listening. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can do be be doing better. I really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you guys all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want me to try to interview, anything like that, contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. Being on the Anchor platform, you can leave us a voicemail. Just go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message, and I promise I'll get your voice on the show. Um, we are part of the 1012 Network. Bunch of great podcasts over there covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference. Go over to 1012 Network over on Twitter. You can get links to all of those great shows. Um, go ahead and visit our sponsor here on the podcast, Homefield Apparel. Uh, again, hoping for some big things here in the next couple of weeks. Promo code CHOCK12 gets you 15% off your entire first order, but that is going to do it for us today. Matt, once again, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. members of the athletic department, and of course the best fans in the country all make up a very special group we like to call the Cyclone Family. Join me, Jamie Steyer Johnson, as I bring you closer to the people that make Iowa State unique each week on the Cyclone Family podcast. Some names you may know, while others may be new to you, but one thing's for sure, this is one family reunion you won't want to miss. Each week on the Cyclone Family podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.